welcome. If you're watching us online, we welcome you. And uh, I know I mentioned last week that he was coming, but I want to officially welcome Brother Martin Libby, who's going to be with us for the summer. And we are excited to have him. And if you don't know him, then uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to greet him at some point in the next little while. Would you stand? If I can get my iPad to work, we will... um again. Uh, there we go. Uh, the, the Lord willing, I want to uh, start tonight. We've got uh, several weeks until our next round of GROW classes start back up. Um, and uh, so I, I get a little time here the next several weeks to minister to you on Thursday nights. And um, I feel like, at least for a couple of weeks here, this will be the the basic theme um, of what I minister on Thursday evening. So, a couple of verses that I think many of you probably could quote. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. There is nothing that God or His Word asks of us that is unreasonable. It is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I love the way the Message Bible says these two verses. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And then one other passage before you're seated, Mark chapter 3 and verse number 32. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, Thy mother and thy brethren without, without seek for thee. 
And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Romans twelve two that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Jesus says here, those that are my brother and sister and mother are those that do the will of God. I want to talk to you tonight and again, Lord willing, over the next couple of weeks about the will of God. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be together, to be in your presence with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. We are in a day and time in which we can't just go through the motions, punch a clock, and fulfill a religious obligation. Every time we get together, God, we need you to do what you want to do, to work the way you desire, to minister the way you desire, to say whatever it is you desire to say. So I pray that you would do that in this place tonight. God, give us ears to hear. Let our hearts be good ground for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You can find, I decided to go with a little different slide layout this week, and I figured I'd get kind of blue and gold in honor of Bishop. So you can find the words, these three words as a phrase, will of God, 23 times in the New Testament. 23 times in the New Testament, you can find the phrase will of God. Now, there are obviously differing contexts with each one of those times you find it. They're not all saying exactly the same thing in, the, in, in each of those places, but these three words together can be found 23 times in the New Testament. And I, I want you to, um, I, I tried to find some kind of scriptural terminology for the point I would like to make next, and I struggled to find a, a, a biblical terms, and so I've settled on business terms. Um, so just hopefully it'll get the point across, you'll understand what I'm saying, but I acknowledge I'm not trying to be hip or cool by using business terminology. I just couldn't find out a better way to express this. So if you have that, you can let me know afterwards. And if I ever teach this again, I will incorporate what you said. I may give you the credit. I may not. I don't know. But, but I want you, as we delve into this topic, I want you to think of the will of God in sort of two categories, the macro and the micro. And the problem is, I think most of the time, we think about the will of God in terms of the micro. What I mean by that is, there's a few people in this room that can relate to this. Some of us, thankfully, have passed through this. But one of the ways we think, and one of the things I mean by focusing on the micro will of God is, who is it the will of God for me to marry? 
or micro in the sense of what ministry, what, what place is God called me to? What is the will of God for ministry? And you could, I'm sure, a couple other examples to go along with that. But my point is, I think most of the time when we think about knowing and doing the will of God, we think of it in that micro context, in the specific decisions. And so, I mean, I, I've been married 29 years. I have no plans of having to find another wife for any reason. So I'm not worried about what, I don't have to worry anymore what the will of God is. I, at this point, unless something changes, I know where my ministry is. I know where I'm called. I know where it's the will of God for me to be right now. Um, those are the two biggest areas, which for me, that incorporates my job as well. So, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm beyond needing to worry about the will of God, right? If Jesus said, and in another place, parallel passage to this, he says, the will of my father, who is my brother, my sister. My, he said in that place, same thing, because we know that the father is God. So it's saying the same thing. But in another place, he says, those that are my brethren, my family, whatever, are those that do the will of my father. So Okay, I've married the right person. I think I'm in the right place of ministry. I'm good. That's my ticket. No. Because really what I, I, I hope and what I feel to try to get across really is more about the macro will of God. Because while you're so busy trying to figure out the micro will of God in very detailed places, you are missing... The macro. <laughs> this book didn't tell me who to marry. I had to pray about that. and Although I prayed about that after I was attracted to the one I wanted to marry. Anyway, don't want to go there again. It amazes me. I still hear from people, I don't know who you are that's going around telling our unmarried folks that God has to speak to them in advance about who to marry before they show interest. But that's not what this pastor teaches. Do I believe you ought to know before you get married she or he's the will of God? Absolutely. But I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't want a relationship starting off with my wife just because, well, you're the will of God meaning her thinking that about me. Well, apparently you're the will of God for my life. Let's get what? Amen. Amen. What, what, what about the way I look? Hey. Doesn't that? How about my personality? How about? Anyway. <laughs> the bottom line is this. We are given all kinds of instructions about what the will of God is. Because everything in this book comes from God. And if we are instructed to do it or we're told what to do through things in this book, that is the will of God. And I would, I would propose to you tonight that that's more so what Jesus is saying when he says that those that are my family are those that do the will of my, do the will of God. He's talking about those who every single day are pursuing the will of God. 
There is a will of God for how you respond to the person mistreating you at the store. I'm the, in the big scheme of things, some of there's people going through health stuff and whatever and other much more challenging things. So please hear me when I say that. This is not about thinking I've got it the worst in this room or in this church that is so far from the case. But I, I, I got leased a brand new vehicle a couple of months ago. It was acting up. I took it to the dealership and they, I've learned a term I've never known before. They said I have a branded title. And in essence, what that means, it's a bad title, and therefore the warranty on this brand new car is void. Until the dealership in Virginia can work with the MVA in Maryland to get the title fixed. And I'm, I, it's, I think it's, Mar- I, I don't know, anything could be Maryland's fault. That's hard to... There's, I don't see how anything could be Maryland's fault. Maryland is perfect. I think the MVA is, I think it actually is their fault. But that doesn't change the fact that the dealership in Virginia is really bothering me. And I called again today and, you know, it's not good to make those kinds of phone calls when you're studying for things like this. There is a will of God. There is a will. Now, I personally don't believe you've got to find the will of God for what you wore tonight. I don't believe you've got to find the I don't believe God's got to tell you what outfit to wear every single day. But there is a will of God that should govern our lives. And, and, and the Lord willing here in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll touch on at least a little bit the, how, uh, how significant doing the will of God is to your salvation. In fact, how many of you here tonight, I think it's probably going to be pretty much 100% for better or worse, but how many of you here tonight, you've got the Holy Ghost, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've spoken in other tongues? How many of you? Just about every person here tonight. I got bad news for you. You haven't made it yet. You have not made it yet. Brother Barr just said it. That's the, it's the truth. When we give baptism on Holy Ghost certificates, that's not a diploma. That's a birth certificate. All that is saying is you have now started. You haven't made it. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Except a man be born again, he can't enter the kingdom. Being born again is just the beginning. If you think all you had to do was get baptized, repent of your sins, get baptized and speak in tongues, and you've got, a, uh, you've got your golden ticket to get there, you're wrong. According to Jesus, you've got to do the will of God on a daily basis. Now, here's something I find kind of interesting because when I think about the will of God, I don't know about you, hopefully you do, but when I think about the will of God, I think about it almost in the sense of what God is dictating for me to do. The will of God, again, and I'm, 
I'm, I'm kind of, I acknowledge, I'm kind of back and forth with the things I'm saying between macro and micro, <laughs> nevertheless. But I, I you know, we, we want to find out what's the will of God. And, and so when you find out the will of God, it's like, I don't, I don't have a choice. But listen to what the, the Greek word for will means. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, Will is what one wishes or has determined shall be done. It's, it's what one wishes. I want you to notice what is not in the definition of the will, in the context of the will of God. There's, there's no command. There's no force. It's what one wishes or desires or has determined shall be done. So yes, the will of God is what God wants me to do. It, it is the big decisions as well as the daily living. The will of God should, and I think there's value in you and I viewing the will of God as something that's not optional. If I view my calling to ministry and, and, and where I am right now in that, if I view that as optional, when things don't go well, then I've got an out. But when I'm in the will of God and I know I'm in the will of God and things aren't going well, that helps me give some, that helps give me some of the motivation and determination to not go anywhere. To kind of do like Peter did and say, where else am I going to go? Because let me tell you something, a bad day in the will of God is far better than a good day out of the will of God. I saw Brother Ke- I think I've seen others post this maybe, but Brother Kevin Howard posted on, on uh, Facebook the other day, and, and it, was, it was this post about what happens when a person backslides and how wonderful it feels. And usually it does initially, because what, I'm no longer living under the restrictions of church and the Word of God and all the teaching and the preaching, and so you're now free. I'd rather live feeling like I have no other way to live than in the will of God. But still, the will of God is what, what, is what God wishes for you. It's what God has determined, but you've got to cooperate. Dealing with kind of working through a situation that I had gone through a while ago, and I was talking to actually Brother Shelton about something. We were talking a little bit, sort of these, you could kind of put it in the category of the will of God, and he made this point. You and I, those involved in the situation, have to be willing to submit to the will of God. Because God's not going to force anyone to do something against their will. Now, He's going to do a lot of things to try to influence you to do His will. But He's never going to grab you by the back of the neck and mandate that you do exactly what He's telling you to do. 
So here, here's the thing when it comes to this struggle with the will of God, whether that's the macro or the micro. You know what? It really boils down to an issue of ownership. If you're struggling in your walk with God, if you're struggling in your dedication and your commitment to the Word of God, to the principles of the Word of God, you have an ownership issue. Brother Barr, pretend I wasn't pastor right because I think your response might be a little differently. Just, just If I was just some random stranger and I just happened to walk up here after service and, and pull this, unplug this thing and walk out the back door, might not be pretty even if it was me doing it, right? Why? Because it belongs to him. I don't have the right to do anything with it without His permission. And God is not in to vacation timeshares. Some of y'all think God's interested in timeshare ownership in your life. Anybody, this is, uh, I, I won't ask, I guess, that may not be really polite, but I, there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a few folks in here tonight that, that uh, do times, have timeshares. My parents, I don't know if they still have them, but they had timeshares at one point, and several times growing up we'd go there for, for a week. That condo was ours. Because we had purchased that week. But you know what was interesting? We didn't, my parents didn't dictate the interior design of that condo. They didn't pick the furniture. They didn't determine the colors. But they owned that week. And for that week, you may not have, it may not have been all your tastes and preferences, but that was your week. The problem is 51, there's 52 weeks in a year, right? 51 other weeks of the year, you have no say. Some of you think. Well, let, me ref- let me rephrase that. I'll be a little kinder. Some folks think they've sold God Sunday morning. Sunday night and Thursday night. And that's your share. That's your portion. And so, Sunday from 10 to 12, whatever you want to do, God, have at it. From 6 to 8 on Sunday night, give or take a few minutes, it's all yours. Thursday night from 7 o'clock, hopefully to as quickly as possible, we can get out of there. It's all yours. It's, it's yours. I mean, it belongs to you, but that's, that's the share. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. The implication there is that you are presenting everything. You are not holding anything back. 
that ye may prove, find out what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. But Let's go back to what Paul says. Be not conformed. That word conform means this. The word rendered conform properly means to put on the form, fashion, or appearance of another. It may refer to another, or it may refer to anything pertaining to the habit, manner, dress, style of living, etc. of others. Brother Johnson, can you bump the air down a little bit from your phone, please? Thank you. It means to to conform is to put on the form, fashion, appearance of another. It may refer to anything pertaining the habit, manner, dress, style of living, etc. of others. And so Paul says, be not conformed to this world. You know what? I am, I am afraid that modern day Christianity has so watered down the Word of God. Because we've tried to take a computer term and make it a, a, a church term, user-friendly. User-friendly. Make it easy, simple, as hassle-free as possible. That's part of the, the hesitation for the older generation of learning technology. It's a hassle. It's a struggle until you once you start to learn it and get the feel. Oh, okay, I, I, that helps. That's good. But until you get to that point, there is, there is a, there's a challenge. So... Paul says, in no watered-down terms, don't be like the world. Don't, don't let the world dictate to you who you are, how you live, what you do, how you talk, what you wear, etc., etc., do not be fashioned by. But present yourselves. And now back to, or continuing on, and, and, and this is a little bit of a side, really a side point, but I think it's important, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I have heard some say that these are three levels to the will of God. There, there, is, there is a good will, and then there's an acceptable will, and then there's the perfect will. As if to say, you really want the perfect will, but if you settle for the good or the acceptable, okay. That, that's, not what, that's not what Paul is saying. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary says this, In this view, the will of God, which believers are experimentally to prove, 
is said to have three characteristics to recommend it. It is good as it demands only what is essentially and unchangeably good. It is well-pleasing in contrast with all that is arbitrary as demanding only what God has eternal complacency in. And it is perfect as it requires nothing else than the perfection of God's reasonable creature who in proportion as he attains to it reflects God's own perfection. Can I tell you, there is no better place to live than in the will of God. No better place. I don't know why it's never really jumped out at me or impacted me before, but last weekend going through the the, the, the wedding, the rehearsal, and then the wedding ceremony for William and Jordan, it, it was just, it, it's an amazing thing to see what happens when two young people, two people, but in this context, young people, two kids, I don't care if they are married, they're still kids. <laughs> but two, watching two young people that have done their best, and I can speak first and foremost for William as his pastor, who have done their best to find God's plan for their lives and let God lead them to that point. What an absolutely beautiful thing. I don't understand why you would want anything else. I don't understand why someone would want it any other way. That is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And there is, again, no better place to be. Now watch this, Matthew 7, starting with verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit." A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It is not merely a profession of faith that is going to get you saved. It is doing the will of the Father. There it is. Many will say to me, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto 
them. I never knew you. Depart from me. You work iniquity. He's not talking to the to the drug dealer. He's not talking to the prostitute. He's talking to people that professed religion. He's saying you were actually working against me. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Whoever heareth these sayings of mine, whoever finds my will and does it, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. So therefore, if you're not building your life on what God says, you are not building on the rock because there is no other solid foundation than Jesus Christ, than the Word of God. You know, something, this may be just kind of a simple whatever to you, but something that just kind of hit me today. Everything man does develops. Or not everything, but a lot of things man does. I mean, let's just use the simple example. Any of you ever had, did you, any of you have one of those big old phones in the bag? And now here we are. You know, it's funny, Brother, Brother, uh, Brother Hurt talked about a couple weeks ago that, and they call rotary dial, the rotary dial phone, and how that kids today wouldn't even know. I saw a video pop up on social media, and it was a grandfather trying to explain to his son, grandson, who looked to be in his late teens, how to use that rotary dial phone, and he was not having success at figuring it out. I, I, we, we've come a long ways. I mean, this, my wife just said it to somebody the other day. This is light years ahead of my first laptop. I think my, my first laptop was 75 megahertz, I think. That's, that's, isn't that speed? And, and so, man, it's, it's in some ways, you know, there are some of these things that it's kind of a bummer to those that have already lived. They don't get some of the things, which there's also pitfalls to some of the same things. But do, do you understand how amazing God is that from the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so... God did not have to develop something in 2021 that those in the beginning were, were gypped from. I understand they may not have had a black book like you and I have, but they had access to the same God, the same God, the same principles, 
that you and I have today. There, are, there is no Bible 2.0. There is no new edition that God had. Oops, I need to make some revisions. He got it all right the first time. No edits needed. It was right from the beginning. And numerous times, man has accused it of being wrong, only to eventually be proven even by science, this is correct. But you know what? There's also a flip side to that that we got to be careful of. You think God's going to let you and I buy with less than those that have come before us? You think God's going to now provide some easy, simpler way that costs less than taking up your cross and denying yourself and following Him when that's what He's expected to get to this point? No way! But we're told today, just believe. What you do doesn't matter. Just believe. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is what? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. How about that? Next time somebody wants to tell you all you got to do is confess with your mouth. Well, Jesus said, if all you, you are that there will be those who say, Lord, Lord, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, as if they know me, but I don't know them. Why? Because part of the will of God is repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the, that's a part of the will of God. But it's a part. It's not the end. It's not the culmination. It is a part. I, I, just, I just can't help myself. I have to read these verses to you from the Message Bible. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot. I... I am suppressing because there is one particular one who always comes to mind when I read this in the Message Bible. Let me take a quick drink. I want to be weary of weary. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they're out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Touched on it last week. I'm not going to get back into it tonight. But some of the most charismatic leaders, charismatic preachers, full of personality, whatever, preachers in the last 20 to 30 years, well known that character has been revealed to be something different than what was being portrayed. That's why you better not base what you believe and the doctrine you believe off of what you watch somewhere because where somebody is right now, there may be lots of charisma, but you don't know what the character is or is not. Who preachers are in are who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. <laughs> A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. 
These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. I, I, I've seen it before. I came across it again the other day, and I'm, I'm going to be nice and not call names, but there is some of you may have seen this. There is one of these well-known preachers that uh, he flies on, all he does is fly private air, pl- private airlines and and, 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 you know, I, I'm sure that would be a wonderful, I, in and of itself, I don't think there's something wrong with that. I mean, it'd be awesome not to have to go through the whole hassle of, Brother Shelton said it at meet, you know, Lord, I, give me an airplane. But, but this guy said, <laughs> you can, you can, didn't take, you probably could just Google it and find it pretty easily. But he, he, he doesn't want to be, because that airplane, that commercial airplane is like a tube of demons, demonic activity. I, I can't, that's, that's not a ex- word for word, but that's the gist. What is, so you're telling me what's inside of you is not powerful enough to overcome that if it really is there. But on the other hand, I'm in big trouble every time. And he's talking about when he go to preach someplace, having to you know not be in amongst all the people and all that demon. I guess I'm in big trouble. Because any time I've ever flown to preach someplace, I was in that tube. <laughs> but people, people follow that. People get caught up in the charismatic personality and not find out what the character is. Knowing, knowing the correct password. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience doing what my Father wills. There's another thing just kind of thinking about today. Big terminology in, in, in Christianity today is, you know, people are all about, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I think most of the time when they're saying that, what they're saying is, I'm the follower from Matthew to John. And that's a pretty neat little thing to say. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus. But Jesus says, the important thing is doing what my Father wills. Not what I will, what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I am going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words, look, listen, I, I, I put these in bold because I think this, this next statement is just, if you, it, it just puts it in a very practical way. These words, I, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. 
My commandments are not incidental additions to your life. You, I'm sure, have had this experience before, but the lat, not the house we're in, the house before that, when we were in the process of buying, and we were fortunate to be able to buy a brand new home, but you, know, you go into these communities, these development, and, and it always says prices starting at. And if you've never had the experience before, don't buy it. Because there's the, where that price is starting at, you barely got a roof on that house. That starting at is with the cheapest flooring, the cheapest cabinets, the cheapest tile, the cheapest windows, the absolute minimum amount possible. And they know that the average person's going to walk in there and, well, we want to upgrade this and we want to upgrade that and we want to add this sunroom and we want to add this, we want to do this and that. And so forget the starting at. But then sometimes you then have to back up and say, well, we really would like that, but can't do that. We'll do that somewhere down the road. I'm still waiting on down the road. He said, these things that I'm telling you, this is not a ah, take it or leave it kind of thing. This is not. I, I said it last Thursday. I'm going to say it again. I know this is Thursday night. I know basically who I'm talking to tonight. I get that. But at the same time, there are those of us sitting here on a Thursday night that we've given Jesus timeshare ownership. And we're accepting some things as incidental additions. Homeowner improvements. But he's saying these are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But... If you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Many will say, many will say, to this statement, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, Adam Clark says, 
No person, by merely acknowledging my authority, believing in the, divin- the divinity of my nature, professing faith in the perfection of my righteousness and infinite merit of my atonement, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, shall have any part with God in glory. But he who doeth the will of my Father, he who gets the bad tree rooted up, the good tree planted, and continues to bring forth fruit to the glory and praise of God. Many will say. I've, I've kind of, I don't mean to be unkind, but it really troubles. I, I get this when you go to some other religious type funeral. And no matter the lifestyle they live, they put that person in heaven. I, forgive me if you consider this to be judgmental and... And whatever, that's, uh, I'm not taking the ownership, but that's your problem. When I watched some, or I don't know if it was live or just clips afterward, of Michael Jackson's funeral, and I watched preacher after preacher and gospel singer after gospel singer get up and put him in heaven, I don't know why we're wasting our time doing this. Why are we, why are we wasting money on electricity and this property and all that, if it doesn't matter how you live. I got to tell you what's disturbing me is apostolics more and more putting everybody in heaven. Now, I'm not going to put somebody in hell. That's God's problem. But I'm not just going to try to console everybody that your precious little loved one is in heaven Because this book is very clear on what it takes to get in. And again, you can't do the will of the Father yesterday and get a pass today. You can't try to do the will of God last week and take a couple weeks off. It is a daily walk. It is a daily commitment to doing the will of God, whether it's just the minor details of my life or the big decisions I've got to make. Doing the will of God, doing the will of my Father is the only way to live. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you young people something. If you don't ever get past what is taught and preached here as being just what Pastor Wright preaches and teaches, there will be a day in the future, some of you sooner than later, where you will walk away from all of it. Because if all it ever is is what a church or a preacher says, then it gives you options on doing it or not doing it. But i got to tell you, I'm not here today at 49 and a half years old because my mama and my daddy were apostolic. I'm here. I can't tell you the day it happened. I can't pinpoint a moment it happened. But I'm here because at some point I became convinced that the Word of God is the only way to live and the will of God is the only way to live. And so it doesn't matter. And I've watched people come and go. I've watched people in this church come and go. I've got preachers I looked up to at one point in my life that have come and gone. But I believe the same thing. I live the same 
same way because I believe it is the will of God. It's not the will of Antioch, the apostolic church. It's not the will of the United Pentecostal Church International. It is the will of God that we come out from the world and be separate and not be conformed to the world, but to be changed and transformed and to live a life according to the Father's desires. I want to just, whether you want them or not, I'm planning to post these notes in Realm tomorrow. I've included this next. I'm not going to read that. It's got some really good stuff. There is a good saying among the rabbis on this subject, the subject of the will of God, doing the will of God, finding the will of God. A man should be as vigorous as a panther, as swift as an eagle as fleet as a stag and as strong as a lion to do the will of his creator. Brother Shelton talked about somebody, some preacher asking him what's his, I think, what was it, his five-year goals, his ten-year goals. I'm going to give all of us, ready, here we go, here's the goal. Here's, this ought to be our one-day goal our one-week goal, our one-month goal, our one-year goal, our five-year goal, our ten-year goal, our rest-of-the-life goal. If you could achieve this goal, if you could achieve this goal, your life will absolutely guaranteed be a success. The goal is, I want to do the will of God. I'm not prepared to make an absolute statement on this, but as I've prepared for tonight, studying, and, and, and if you remember, I don't remember all that he said, but Brother Shelton in one of the sessions at meet touched on the will of God a little bit. And I don't know, maybe that's what kind of got this working in me these last couple of weeks. But Thank God I've kept my record going. I forgot what I was saying, where I was going with that. Yeah. Jason, come on. He's thinking. Jason always bails me out. Oh, well. It'll come back in a moment after I've embarrassed myself. Oh, well, we'll keep going. We'll come back. He says you're going to know them by their fruits. We'll know them by their fruit. Man, what was that? I just can't. It was. Ah, there it is. See, now that I've embarrassed myself, it comes back. I, I, I think, again, I'm not prepared to make a stand on this statement yet. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost prepared to say that the absolute number one, first and foremost priority that we should have as saints, disciples, Christians, whatever term you want to use, the number one goal we should have, the number one focus is doing the will of God. 
You say, well, what about, I, I, what about knowing Him? We ought to want to know Him. We, what about our pursuit of a relationship with Him? What about it? It's all a part of the macro will of God. Knowing God is a part of the will of God for my life. That's a part of the will. It is a part of the will. It's a part of God's wishes for me to know Him better. So if I can know and do the will of God every day of my life, Go back, and it's one of the reasons I love it so much, the way the Message Bible says, Romans 12 and verse 1, is because the high percentage, 90, probably 90% of the people in this room right now and those that are watching online, you work some kind of secular job for employment. Now, if you think that just because we work here, it's all spiritual, you have no clue. however when you take what Paul says that's why I think hopefully I do this but let me let me let you in on a little secret a goal of mine I don't want to I don't want to ever propose something in in a way we should live what we should do whatever that I have advantages because of the position I'm in. I'll give you an example. I might not should do this, but I'll go ahead. There, there was a guy, hopefully most of you won't know who he is and won't remember him because it's been a long time ago, but there was a guy that came through here and, and preached, I mean, adamantly about early morning prayer. And it, I mean, all, this is probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but it was almost like if you don't pray before daylight every day, you're, you're not going to heaven. In fact, the, the way it was taught wasn't about praying a set time every morning. That time had to adjust through the year because daylight adjusts. And so you should, you should pray before the sun comes up every single day. Well, he did that to his credit, but here's the deal. He was pastoring at that point in time, and he would go to the church before daylight, pray. People from the church that were committed, dedicated, came and prayed. But guess what he did after that? Because he didn't have to go to work at a set time, set place. He went back home and slept for a few hours. Is there something wrong with that? No, there's not something wrong. If that's the way it works, that's your schedule. But when you're preaching to people that you wouldn't have the luxury of going back and taking a nap, but bless God, that's the way it's going to be, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because the principles of this apply no matter what. That's one of the awesome things about the the Word of God is when you get to the purity of the principles, there is no situation that becomes an obstacle to the Word of God. 
I forgot why I was making that whole point. I didn't say why, I don't think, but anyway, two times in one night. <laughs> so knowing him, ministry, the lost, etc. It's all those things that we should be doing, involved in, pursuing. The bottom line is, if I am seeking to do the will of God, those things will be a part of that. And it's not just those, or it's not just because you can say, we've done this in your name, we've cast out devils, and we've prophesied, and we've done many wonderful things in your name. But he's saying, you didn't do my will. You didn't do my will. He says, you're going to know them by their fruits. The word fruit of course, means fruit of trees, but metaphorically, it's that which originates or comes from something, an effect, a result. Equivalent to ergon, which is work, act, or deed. But listen to that again. Metaphorically, it is that which originates or comes from something, an effect, result. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Actions are a result of what's in your heart. The things that you and I do are a result of what is it. It is the fruit. It is the effect. It is the product. And Jesus says, you don't, you don't measure them. You don't know them by their words. You know them by their fruit. problem is this, bad fruit does not negate good fruit. What I mean is because there's bad fruit, that doesn't make all fruit bad. Because there's hypocrites in the church doesn't make everybody a hypocrite. Because there's some gossips in the church, it doesn't make everybody a gossip. However, just be patient and watch the fruit, and in time you will find out. Is this just someone who's saying, Lord, Lord, and then doing their own will, living their own way, or is this someone who is pursuing the will of God? Trying to find the will of God. Jesus Referencing Jesus, this isn't Jesus' words, but referencing Jesus. Hebrews 10, 5. Listen to what is said of Jesus. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I am come in the volume of the book it is written of me, and that's a reference to Psalms, but I come to do thy will, O God. 
Jesus Christ, goal. Jesus Christ's goal was to do the will of the Father. I've come to do your will. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. i tell you something. Following the will of God will take you places above and beyond what you could ever ask for or hope for. Above and beyond what you could ever deserve. The will of God will take you places beyond anything you deserve. The flip side of the coin is this. You doing your will will take you places you never expected that it would take you. You pursuing your will will lead you down a pathway the consequences of which you have no idea. I got to, don't you, you, again, you young people, teenagers, early young adults. I want you just a moment. I, I think I'll get some help on this. Brother Vernell didn't help me in the service Sunday night, but... <laughs> He did come and help me afterwards, so that's all right. I, 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 got a, I got a question for some of you adults, if you'll be honest and help, help me here for a moment. How many of you, if you knew years ago when you started down a certain path, if you knew then what you had to eventually live through. Do you think you would have made a different decision? Because the problem is we always, or the devil is always trying to convince us that somehow out of billions of people that have lived in the history of the world, you're going to be the first one that can play with fire and not get burned. You're going to be the first one that can live your will and ignore God's will, but it'll be okay. Not happening. I know it's a little bit different words, but if I could rewrite it for a moment. That's what people do when they get older anyway. They change words to songs. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your will. Here in your will. No place. No. No place. No place. Just to be clear, I don't think I have to say this. I am not telling you that being in the will of God makes everything easy. 
go listen to what I preached last Sunday. <laughs> I am not at all saying doing the will of God means you just wonderful. It's a wonderful life. It's not it at all. It's going to be challenges. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be struggles. But when I know that I am in His will and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. I just said it to some folks this evening. I don't. I'm not going to tell you I never will. But at this point, I don't think I ever have flat out told somebody what you needed to do with regards to the will of God. And there's a number of reasons for that, but one reason is there's a good chance that in doing the will of God, you are going to face some adversity. There's a really good chance that in doing the will of God, there's going to be some great challenges. And so somebody else telling you the will of God is not the same as you having confidence Somebody else may help confirm that. I may, as your pastor, help confirm what you think is the will of God. But ultimately, you got to get settled in your heart what's the will of God. Because to have an unwavering commitment to doing the will of God, you've got to know for yourself it's the will of God. Who is my brother? Who is my mother? Who, are my, who is my sisters? Those that do the will of God. Who is it that's going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those who have done the will of my Father. We, we need to, I think, I think a bunch of us need to get them things they put on horses. We need to get some spiritual blinders. I knew what they were called. I just chose to. Some of y'all are like, oh my God, he doesn't even know what blinders are. He is getting old. We need some spiritual blinders. Because some of you are living too distracted by what everybody else is or is not doing. And I'm telling you what, the enemy, in fact, I'm going to rephrase that. There's some degree of involvement from the enemy. But God, God, not the devil, God will allow people to cross your path. People that you look up to and admire people that are influential, who are not doing the will of God. God will allow those to come across your path as a part of your development and growth. And of course, what the enemy wants you to do is look at that and just give up and quit. What God wants you to do is realize maybe the fruit's not quite what you expected. But that does not change the fact that you need to do my will. Again, 
Absolutely. Do we need to find out the big decisions and directions that we're about to go, the will of God? Absolutely. But it's a whole lot less complicated than just the big things. Or, let me rephrase that, it's a whole lot more practical than just finding out the big things and the big decisions. The will of God is a day-by-day, step-by-step, should be a day-by-day, step-by-step pursuit in my life. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight and if you so choose over the next couple of weeks to get a fresh perspective, a fresh understanding, fresh revelation on the significance, the importance of your will, of doing your will. That in every aspect of our lives, it is, it is the doing of your will that you are looking for. Not that it's earning us anything, not that it's making us deserve anything because we do what you say, but it's a part of the process that you have established. It's a part of our growth and development. It's a part of the process of our salvation, of being fully, completely submitted to doing your will. I pray, God, that you would help every one of us tonight in every aspect, whether it's in the small things or the big things, that you would help us to be able to pray the same thing that you prayed in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. God, I pray that you would help us tonight to have a commitment to your will above anything else, above our own wills, above our own desires, our own preferences, that your will would be the the thing that governs our lives. Finding and knowing your will. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. In Jesus' name.